we all look in the mirror. And most of the time, it has something to do with vanity, right? We're fixing our hair, we're taking care of a pimple, maybe shaving. But what about that moment that you look in the mirror and your first reaction is concern? Like, what is that bump? Was it there before? Is, is that color okay? Should I maybe get that checked out? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have other concerns as well. Uh, you know, as we get older, things start showing up. Things we don't even like to talk about. Age spots, moles wrinkles, lack of elasticity. I mean, I could go on and on. When should we be concerned, though? Yeah, you mentioned wrinkles that, you know, those come with getting older, but can we do anything to make those go away, right? Keep our skin looking healthy. We all want to look younger, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I definitely want to know the secret if there is one. I'm sure you do too, Pete. You know, a lot of people would. Skin health is so important to our emotional health, really, how we feel about ourselves. It's also a window into sometimes more serious health issues. Today on the podcast, we're going skin deep. Hi, everybody. I'm Macy Jepson. And I'm Pete Kenworthy, and this is Healthy at UH. Today, we're talking about healthy skin, both from how it looks and feels to what to watch out for. Joining us for expert insight is Susan Main, a certified nurse practitioner in dermatology at University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio. Susan, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Macy and Pete. Let's start with how to look our best, right? Are there actual things we can do to look better, to look younger? Do those exist? (laughs) Well, Well, let's talk about beauty and aging. So what happens as we age? We have these kind of fatty deposits in our skin. And when we're young, we th- that youthful look is this kind of round face, right? So as we age, we lose the, the collagen fibers. There's a buzzword there. We lose some of that, those fatty deposits, they start kind of sagging. So we end up with a more oval face or like an upside down triangle. So that's what we want to keep from happening. Now there are, to your question, Pete, there are there are there's a therapeutic spectrum. At one end are your over-the-counter topicals that you know we can all easily access, your hyaluronic acids, your retinols, things like that. So at the other end of the spectrum, there are there's plastic surgery, liposuction, there's Botox, there's fillers, all very expensive stuff. Okay. So what I want to talk today, I, I want to talk in depth about skin fun- function, skin care, and skin products because I truly believe that if you understand how the skin functions, if you understand the products that we use and how to use them, you'll make better decisions. So you won't be stuck in those six aisles of skincare products spending thousands of dollars unnecessarily. So as we age, you know, things change. Our environment changes, our our geography can change, our skin changes, gravity takes over. So your skin is always changing. So rather than just tell you what to use right now or, you know, point you in, in a direction where your skin is now, if you understand these things, you know, as your skin changes, as you age, you're going to use different products. I mean, even humidity can affect skin. So let's talk about the skin. So what is its function? Its function is one, to keep moisture in. So it's a barrier, it keeps water in. Without it, we would turn into beef jerky. (laughs) So not so pretty, but very tasty, right? (laughs) So another thing it does is it protects us from the environment. And basically skin is our armor. So when I talk about the skin barrier in, in this podcast, I'm talking about the uppermost layer, the epidermis, 
even higher than that. So the very upper layer of the epidermis is the stratum corneum, okay? And that's what is really affected by beauty products and, and all that good stuff. And this layer of skin is made up of these lipids, which are natural fats. And they are essential components and they play a role in maintaining skin strength. So those components are cholesterol, free fatty acids, and ceramides at a one to one to one ratio. Now, once that's thrown off balance, all heck breaks loose, hmm. okay? So we want it, we, and it, it is a, it's a, it's a balance that is very hard to keep, but, but you could do it, you know, we'll talk about that. So one-to-one ratio, cholesterol, free fatty acids, and ceramides. And ceramides, is that's another buzzword, hyaluronic acid, stuff like that. So how do these, these three things work together to give us that youthful appearance, okay? Um, they accelerate recovery from damage, and they stave off dryness. That's how they work. So we have external and internal conditions that affect the skin barrier, okay? Sun exposure, number one. So nothing's going to age you more than UV exposure. Um, we're gonna talk more about that later on when it comes to melanoma and skin cancers. Uh, humid, humidity affects skin, allergens, irritants, harsh chemicals, overwashing, overexfoliating, yada, yada, yada. So a lot of things affect skin, okay? Um, even genetics. So navigating your way through all of these, these cosmetic and skincare products can be very difficult. But there are three basic categories of skincare products. We're gonna talk about cleansers, moisturizers, and astringents, okay? They balance hygiene while preserving the barrier function, your skin function. So hygiene, keeping moisture in, making sure we have that one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one ratio. All right, so cleansers, moisturizers, astringents. Let's talk about cleansers, okay? pH makes a difference. So your skin has a pH. Cleansers have a pH. All of these things. Your skin is normally naturally at a pH around 5.7, which is slightly acidic, but that's a good thing because... That's what kills off these bacteria, fungus, even viruses that can really harm us. So cleansers, three types of cleansers, okay? True soaps, combars, and Sindet cleansers. Now these are bars or liquids. So true soaps have a pH between nine or 10, much, much higher than our skin. That an example is ivory, okay, very drying. It, it's a high pH, and this is going to disrupt the epidermis, but it does leave you feeling clean or tight. My analogy for that would be like windshield wipers on a dry windshield. So it just kind of catches, catches, catches. So when you feel your skin after using a true soap, like ivory, it's very dry, it's not very oily, it's just kind of soft. A lot of people like that feeling. That's not good for the skin, okay? Only, only if you have extremely oil, oily skin would I suggest you use something like that. So, so that covers true soaps. So next are combars. Dial and Irish Spring are an example. These are milder cleansers than true soaps, and they're good for normal skin with a moderate amount of environmental dirt. So we want to keep the moisture. We want to get rid of the oil. If we have oily skin, we also want to get rid of the dirt. Okay, so Sindent cleansers. These are the Dove Cetaphil Bar Oil of Olay Foaming. Um, these are your beauty cleansers. They contain about 10%, less than 10% true soap and carry pH between 5.5 and 7. Now remember, your skin is normally at 5.7, okay? These are the least damaging to skin 
in persons with very dry skin or any form of inflammation like eczema, something like that. So we, those are the three types, okay? These tend to be the foaming cleansers, okay? So foaming cleansers are pretty darn harsh. If you've got, you know, normal skin, dry skin, you want to go with a non-foaming cleanser, okay? We'll talk about that in a second. Now, we also have body washes. So we have these body washes came along years ago. They were developed in an attempt to both clean dirt and moisturize at the same time. So those are those are great too. Again, foaming, but but they serve two different purposes. Now, if you're using a body cleanser like that, um, make sure you're using a little puff ball, and that introduces both water and air and allows for the cleansing and the moisturizing to happen, okay? So let's talk about the non-foaming cleansers. These include lipid-free cleansers and cold creams, okay? So these are your, your creams like CeraVe, gentle, you know, cream wash, Cetaphil, these gentle cleansers. They're excellent at removing cosmetics with low levels of environmental dirt. So most of us who work in the office, we're, you know, we're not, we're not exposed to a lot of dirt. We wear our makeup. So these are really good cleansers for normal to drier skin. So let's, so lipid-free cleansers, they're soap-free liquid products. They're applied either to dry or kind of moisten skin, and they're rubbed to produce minimal lather, rinsed away, and wiped away, okay? So foaming and non-foaming. Foaming tend to, tend to dry out the skin. Non-foaming tend to kind of preserve that moisture. So if you have dry skin, go with the non-foaming cleanser, okay? If you have very, very oily skin, a foaming cleanser is just fine. Wait, let me jump in here for a second because I would never have thought of using just an everyday bar soap on my face. And you're mentioning really common products that have been around for a really long time. Do you mean we don't need to be spending money on special products to cleanse our faces? That is what I mean. We don't, not on cleansers. So you can use a bar soap. You have oily skin, it's foaming. Use a bar soap. Use a gentle cleanser, like a cream cleanser, like CeraVe, Cetaphil, if you have normal to dry skin. So does that wrap up cleansers and then moisturizers mm-hmm. are next, right? Yeah, let's talk about moisturizers. So when it comes to moisturizers, there is a hierarchy. There are ointments, there are creams, there are lotions. At the top of that are ointments. They are the most moisturizing um, product that you could use for your skin. Then creams a little less moisturizing than ointment, than lotion. So really anything that comes in a pump, unless it's that big jar of CeraVe that has the, the pump, which is really good for people like me who are really lazy about putting their moisturizer on. But most products that come with a pump are lotions. Now these are thin, they, they, you know, they don't keep you feeling sticky, they they're they're one they smell good they're all that they're all that good stuff but they're not really made for moisturizing if you want to moisturize stick with a cream if you can't stand the greasiness of an ointment ideally an ointment especially during our dry winter months here where we have no humidity nobody has a humidifier on their hvac system anymore so ointments are best for moisturizing can you over moisturize your skin or is that a a blanket statement that's good for for any age group I don't think there's a product out there unless you dipped yourself in paraffin 
where you would have 100% occlusion. So if you occlude the skin at 100%, yeah, that's a problem. But even Vaseline or Aquaphor, these ointments, they, they, they give you about 99% occlusion. That 1% makes a very big difference for the skin. So, so not really. You cannot. <laughs> Keep yourself greasy. And finally, the third category, third and final category, astringents. Astringents are used to remove the oily residue left behind after cleansing. So we cleanse, we use an astringent, then we moisturize. There are a lot of them out there, and I would think that some of them could be really harsh, especially for particular kinds of skin. So could you kind of break down what is out there and who needs to use what? So astringents... They can be very harsh. They can be very drying. Just be cautious. We, in dermatology, we tend to use salicylic acid for those who have acne. We uh, another astringent is witch hazel. You could you could use that. But again, these are these can be very drying, depending on all the other products that you're using on your skin. Also, another one is glycolic acid. That's an that's an astringent. So there's a puzzle to this, right? Figuring out which cleanser, which moisturizer, and which astringent you can use together. So know your skin type. That's what's important. You know, you kind of change your products as your skin type changes. If you have normal skin, then go with a gentle cleanser. If you have very, very oily skin, no harm in using a foamy or bar soap, that kind of cleanser. Um, If you have very irritated, red inflamed skin, make sure you're using the gentle stuff. And then change it up as your skin changes. All right, can we just finally talk about products? I mean, that's what I've been wanting to talk about here. Are they a waste of money? Can they make a difference? Can they really go under the skin and change the way we look? Because that's what the ads say, right? Absolutely. Let's talk about retinoids, okay? So our retinols are the -the over-the-counter. Retinoids are prescription. If you get a Retin-A as a prescription, it is much stronger than the -the over-the-counter stuff, so be very careful. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. So retinol penetrates deep into the skin. It has an exfoliating effect, and it improves the texture and the tone of your skin, okay? It it increases the production of elastin and collagen too. So this stuff is good. Everyone should be using it. And let me tell you, you are never too old to use a retinol because even the, like I have a lot of elderly that come in and say, it's just too late. It's not, it will make a difference. So retinols can also tighten non-sun exposed skin. So if you use it on you know, the back of your arm, it can make a difference too. So you could use it at any time in your life on any part of your body. These are just great stuff. Before you go on to the next product, retinol, over-the-counter or physician? So the, phys- so the prescription retin- retinoids are much stronger, okay? So we, use, we often use that not only for fine lines and wrinkles, but we use it for acne too. Because another thing retinols do is they keep pores unclogged, and they improve blemishes. So it slows down. So blackheads come from the inside out. It slows that process down. So we use them often for acne treatment too. Another bonus is it it improves texture, tone, and it balances hydration level and controls excess oil. So this isn't something that we would want to get from the drugstore? No, it is, absolutely. 
If you want a really strong retinoid or if you are seeking treatment for, say, acne, because we use, we use these products for these inflammatory processes, the, the over-the-counter retinols are gentler, they're great, but remember, all of these take about three to six months to really see a difference. So have patience, use them, and I think you'll be very happy with, with what you see. So be patient because it generally takes about three to six months of daily application of retinols to see a, a noticeable difference. Also, you don't, because they can be very drying, I mean, basically they're kind of slow chemical peels. So either if you start becoming irritated, dry, flaky, either pull back on them or, you know, bump up your moisturizing with that. Also, we don't recommend retinols for pregnant women. So retinoids and alpha-hydroxy acids, which you've heard, I'm sure, they differ in their mechanism of action for treatment of photo damage or UV exposure, causing us to look a little older. But concurrent use of both of these produces a synergistic effect by combining the retinoid with the alpha-hydroxy acid, which induces exfoliation without all the trauma of using a you know scrubby brush or pumice on your face. Don't ever do that. And it enhances that, that epidermal hydration. So these products you'll see more and more of, where they're combining both the retinoid and the alpha-hydroxy acid. Okay, so retinols are covered here, and I'm guessing there are other things that we could have in our toolbox. And I admittedly don't know a lot about any of these, any of these uh, beauty products, but what, what else is there? What else can be used like a retinol that can help us with our skincare, with our desire to look younger, get rid of wrinkles, et cetera? So another big thing out there is vitamin C serum. Um, so long-term sun exposure, again, what does it do to your skin? It reduces the, the tone, it increases roughness, dryness, wrinkles, and even vascular changes. So you turn red, you get these little red splotches, you get these pigment changes, um, and all of that is oxidative damage, okay? Vitamin C is an antioxidant. So vitamin C also plays a role in collagen stimulation. The stuff is great. What I do wanna tell you is be very cautious but because it's an it can oxidize. So don't buy vitamin C serum in anything but an opaque container because the sun does damage it. It's like an avocado. So if you have this vitamin C and it's all brown and yucky, it, then it's been oxidized. Do not buy vitamin C serum in, in a glass container because you want to keep that. And there are some retinoids also that you've got to be very careful with. Don't let the sun hit them. So just like retinol products, vitamin C, you can spend $5 at the drugstore or $150 you know, just walking into a dermatologist's office. And it's really confusing about where to spend your money and what, what's worth it. Start with the inexpensive stuff. Go cheap. See how it works for you. If, if it's not really working, then, then maybe, you know, a little more expensive. And sometimes the additives make a difference, the, the, the fillers, the vehicles. It, it all really depends on, on how your skin responds to these products and just change it up a little bit. But you don't have to spend $300 on a little bottle of skincare product. And also, you know, your, your diet does make a difference with skin. But as far as I know, as far as the studies that I know that are out there, none of it is going to make a difference firming up or collagen building. None of, you're talking about none of ingesting things specifically for that, not talking about 
eating fried chicken. You're talking about none of these uh, uh, products, right. in- ingestible products. Exactly. So you're saying I can get rid of my 1995 container of bovine powdered collagen that I put in my coffee every morning. Macy, get rid of it. I can spend that money on something else. <laughs> so before we move on to skin damage and s- serious issues to look for, sunscreen, etc., can we put a bow on this? I mean, with maybe three or four points that you would like to make about products and skincare? Sure. So again, know your skin type. You know, know that a lot, many of your foaming cleansers are going to be a little more drying. Even the bar soaps foam, anything, you know, anything that foams. Um, the non-foaming cleansers, those, those gentle creams, a little less drying. Um, make sure that when you're, when you're treating your skin, layering is a, is a big issue too. So make sure, so when I say layering, what I mean is cleanse the skin first then apply any, say you have a prescription from your dermatologist or your primary, that's, that goes on next. Then moisturizer. So that moisturizer is going to help that product get even deeper into the skin and be more effective. And you don't have to spend a lot on these beauty products. Know, know your skin type, but you know, try, try the inexpensive stuff and then move your way up if you want, if, if it's just not doing well. So the beauty information is, is awesome, but we would be remiss not to talk to you about other skin-related issues, right? And, and, and the one that's kind of top of mind um, is sun damage, right? Sun damage, sunscreen. What do we need to be aware of? Um, I, I think most people know that sun can really damage your skin, but can you give us a brief why and uh, really kind of the precautions we should take? So the sun emits ultraviolet radiation in the form of UVA, UVB, more, much more UVB. So the UVB rays tend to stay a little more shallow in the skin, where the UVA rays tend to go a little deeper, okay? So this is, this is what makes tanning beds so dangerous. Tanning beds are basically mostly UVA, where if we're just out and about in the sun, it's UVB, and it tends to be a little more shallow. UVA will go deeper, it will, it will mutate DNA, it will make a lot of it, it will and it can cause cancers many many melanoma being the worst of course so with tanning beds if you use it even just once before the age of 35 you have significantly increased your risk of melanoma later on in life they should be outlawed so another thing with uva uvb both emitted from the sun um, windows and glass so we think we're protected from from all that bad stuff when we're in our cars when we're in our offices we are not and the most dangerous aspect of that is that UVB is being filtered more than UVA which is more dangerous so you'll see a lot of pictures if you just even google it of say truck drivers that's a good example they drive that window is on their left hand side if you see those photos between, you know, here's year one, here's year 15, you will see significant change in the left side of their face. So it's, it's more wrinkled, it's more damaged, and that's, that's UVA. And it can happen in the office setting too. So be very cautious, which is why every morning you put your moisturizer on, make sure it has some, at least SPF 30 in it. So obviously the sun damages your skin when, when you're in places with a lot of sun exposure, wear at least an SPF 30 protect yourself from from future cancer risk, right? So there are obviously times that hasn't happened. We've been exposed to a lot of sun throughout our lives. And then things start to pop up, right? And they cause concern because they weren't there the last time we looked at ourselves or the last time we felt our skin, right? Generally, 
we're talking about moles here, right? So I've certainly been concerned about them before, and, and usually it's nothing to worry about, but sometimes it is. So the question, the long-winded question is, are, are there any rules to get checked out and when to tell yourself it's okay? Isn't there an acronym about moles, I think? There is. We could, yeah, definitely. Uh, the ABCDEs of melanoma. So let's talk about melanoma. What are the factors? What are the risk factors for developing melanoma? There are many of them. And that includes genetic factors, environmental factors, your skin type. So lighter skin types tend to develop more melanoma. If you have a lot of moles, you you know that puts you at a little higher risk of developing melanoma. Um, if you have a family history of melanoma, that's a tick in, in risk factors. So it, important is any family history, especially your primary, um, like your mother, your father. And another thing is 80% of melanoma can develop on intermittently sun-exposed skin, 80%. So even if you had one little burn in the past, you could develop a melanoma there. Um, Some develop within moles themselves that you have. Some just come out of nowhere. So look everywhere when you're looking, okay? Um, Even one little sunburn, and it could develop on that part of your body. What are we looking for? So to Pete's point, the ABCDEs of melanoma, okay? This is pretty easy. So A, asymmetric, okay? If you have a mole, and we have a lot of somewhat asymmetric moles, you don't have to perfectly fold it up and the edges should meet. But if you have something that looks like the state of Florida, you know, something like that, then we would consider that asymmetric. B, borders. So A, asymmetric, B, borders. So look at the edges of those moles. Are they really wonky? Are they, are they rigid? Um, you know, do they look like a, a, a rocky coastline kind of thing? C is color. We have moles that have maybe a few different colors in them, but those are the ones you need to keep an eye on. Typically, normal moles have one color. They're, they're not asymmetric, the borders look good, and they're one color. If you have a few colors in any mole, then get that checked out, okay? D, diameter. So if you have a mole that's, say, you know, six millimeters tends to be our go-to as far as diameter goes, that's about the size of your pinky print, okay? Or an eraser head. So if you've got something that is much bigger than that, that's another thing to, to kind of that's another thing that that will throw up a red flag, okay? Most importantly, is it evolving? So E is evolving. A, asymmetry. B, borders. C, color. D, diameter. E, evolving. Is it changing quickly? Most of our moles don't change that fast. They just don't. So do you have something that you looked at it and then a week later you notice it changing? That's something that raises a red flag for melanoma too, okay? Sometimes it's very hard to get into dermatology and you're kind of sweating these moles out. So what I do and what I tell my patients is to just get yourself something with a millimeter on it, a millimeter measuring device, take a picture with your phone, go back to it about a couple months later while you're waiting for that derm appointment. If it's changing, then let your provider know. And the good news here is I, I think I'm right on this. This is a lot like breast cancer in that, or any cancer for that matter. If they're caught early, 
there's a lot of good news there, right? Absolutely. With with all, with a lot of the recent therapies, if we can catch these melanomas early, you've got you know around a ninety percent or greater survival rate. So I'm just trying to think about what all we've discussed, and I would think wrapping it up that the more we take care of our skin from the beginning, the less of those products we need in the end, for one thing, we could save a lot of money and be healthier. But what I'm hearing from you is, whether it's skincare or medical issues, knowing your body and your skin is really important. Absolutely. Keep an eye out. And I, I don't want to hear the excuse, I can't see my back, I can't do... There are mirrors, so look at yourself. Have your spouse or, or a friend take a look at you. Um, stay out of the sun as, as often as you can. And if you are going to be in it, wear your sunscreen. Again, both aging and, and cancers. And, um, and play around with different skin products. Don't spend a lot of money. Know your skin type and, and try different things out. This is so helpful because products can be confusing. Ads are coming at us from everywhere. A lot of them are asking us to spend a lot of money. Thank you for breaking this down, teaching us the basics of taking care of our skin. This was really interesting. Thank you, Macy, and thank you, Pete, for having me. We appreciate it. Yeah, Susan Main, Certified Nurse Practitioner in Dermatology at University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you again. And remember, you can find and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search University Hospitals or Healthy at UH, depending on where you subscribe. And as always, for more health news, advice from our medical experts and Healthy at UH podcast, go to uhhospitals.org slash blog.